There's three types of people here today. There's three types of people here today. And those three types of people that are here today, first might be someone like me, who was a rascal, who was a rough kid to deal with, but had two parents who, as I've heard Art Eshelman say about Dr. David Jeremiah, uh, they had a drug problem every Sunday, uh, Wednesday, Friday, their parents drugged them to church and um, were taught in the knowledge of the Lord, brought to Sunday school every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. And by the grace of God, through faithful preaching of the Word of God, they came to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And that's, a, that's an amazing story of a testimony of a life that was lived in faithful parents, and, and that's amazing. And then there's something that I find more amazing, and, and stories I love to hear. Those unshackled stories. And there are many, many people in this room with unshackled stories. Their life was a complete and utter mess. And everything was going the wrong direction. And they woke up to the realization one day by the prodding of the Holy Spirit that their life was a mess and that they needed Jesus Christ to make them into something new, to provide them new life. They surrendered to Jesus Christ and by the grace of God they found Him to be faithful and He has changed their life and made them into something new. And there's many of those stories here today. Praise the Lord for that. And then there's a third person here today, and that's those who don't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. They've never trusted Him. They don't know what new life is, is all about. They may sit here on a Sunday morning and, and they think, man, what is this church stuff all about? Why do these people come to church every time the doors are open? Why do they read the Bible? Why do they pray? Uh, what is this life all about? What is a relationship with Jesus Christ? All about. Some of them might not be interested. Some of them might be very, very close. And, and, and they might be sitting here wondering if today might be the day that they surrender their life to Christ. But Christ, Jesus Christ, has a desire to take those who are, some of the words the, the, the Bible uses, is lost, broken, blind, dead, and to turn them into something new. To provide them with new life. One of the things that I've learned in Christian ministry is that sometimes when you're serving the Lord, you end up with other people's junk. That's just how it is sometimes. Uh, sometimes people will think, oh, I can't have any use for this. Maybe they can use it here. And they might be able to think of some, but they just they just start passing it on. And, so, and, and it doesn't happen as much at church as it did at camp. So often at camp, and, and sometimes Charlie loved to go and get junk, and he'd come home with some stuff, and I'd go, Charlie, what are we ever going to do? That happened one time at camp. Charlie came home. And he brought this dilapidated old 
rusty, nasty sled. This sleigh. And he, he said, Scott, look at this thing. And I said, Charlie, I'm looking at it. He said, wouldn't this be great if we... I just go, yep, this is great. And I looked at this rust, and I thought, what are we, what are we ever going to do with that? And, but he said, let's try it out. Let's fix it up. And so I got to work, and I, I tinkered on, on this thing, and I scrubbed the rust, and, you know, I painted it, and I took all the wood off. I took the runner's all apart, and I remember gluing stuff and getting clamps on everything and putting this sleigh back together, painting things up, getting some wood, putting some new wood in it all over the place. And I worked, and I worked, and I worked, and I took my time. And man, I, I mean, I have watched in my life, I've watched as old car guys have taken an old beat-up car and refinished it. Wow, look, you know what I'm talking about? And I've watched as people have taken a, a house that has been dilapidated for a while and go into it and gut it and fix it up. Wow, an amazing thing. I love to step into a house that's been freshly redone or to look at a car that has been restored. And I enjoyed spending the time and the effort into fixing this sleigh up. But you want to know what was amazing was, was I, I had a goal. And for my little girl's birthday, my girls are, are both born on either side of Christmas, December 23rd and December 26th. Lots of presents in our house that week. Lots of presents. But I wanted to have a birthday party for those girls. And so I worked and I worked and I worked to get this sleigh looking beautiful. And it was worth it all when I took the team of horses out and hooked them up to the sleigh, and got my, my two little girls and all their friends to climb on that sleigh in the wintertime, and we put 25, 30 kids on that sleigh, and we pulled it around the field in the snow, and, oh, that was a neat thing. It was worth it. And all of a sudden, that hard work that I'd put into it uh, was worth it. But you want to know what? I think I used that sleigh like three times. That's it. And so I'm, I'm looking here at this story. 2 Kings chapter 7, verses 3 to 8. That's what I'd like to, to read to you this morning. 2 Kings chapter 7, verses 3 to 8. I'd like that story to set up this one. It says in 2 Kings chapter 7, verses 3 to 8, now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. And they said to one another, Why are we sitting here until we die? If we say, We will enter the city. The famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we will live. And if they kill us, we shall only die. And they arose at twilight to go to the camp of Syrians. 
And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of the chariots, the noise of the horses, the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore they arose and fled at twilight and left their camp intact, their tents, their horses, and their donkeys. And they fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one camp and ate and drank and carried from it silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried some from there also and went and hid it. In this story of the four lepers, I see some things that we could probably apply to our life. And, and I see these guys, these lepers, and I look and I say, in the Old Testament, the leper is a picture of metaphor for the sinner. And I get it. A sinner... A leper and a sinner both have a death sentence. Both have something that is going to, to ruin their day-to-day -day lives. Both make them separated, ostracized, outcast from the mainstream of society. And that's what sin will do to you. Sin is a death sentence. Sin will ruin. It will destroy your life. And sin, if, if you let it rule in your life and take take over, will be the end of you. I see a couple of verses in here that I put down that I think are very, very important for us to, to remember. In the first one, Romans chapter 5 is one that I am trying to put to memory, to, to remember up here because I think it's very, very, very important for us to hang on to. In Romans chapter 5, in verse 21, it says, so that as sin reigned in death, even so, grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. If you're sitting here this morning, I ask you, who reigns on the throne of your heart? Is it the sin that you're hanging on to that, that, is, that has taken control and it reigns? Let me tell you, the end result of sin, read the Bible, the wages of sin is death. But Romans 6.23, which I just quoted, and Romans chapter 5 and verse 21, both of those passages of Scripture don't end with no hope. You know, it's not like sin is death, sorry, goodbye. Um, tell you what, that's the world's message. And that's kind of what the, the rationalization that these lepers come to is uh, if we go back into the city, we're dead. If we stay here, we're dead. If we go to the Assyrians, we're dead. Death, 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 death. Everywhere you look is death. 
And without Christ, that's what you got to look forward to. But listen to Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Look at Romans 5.21. Sin reigns to death. Even so, grace, grace, I love that word, loving it more every day, might reign through righteousness to eternal life. There's hope that we find through Jesus Christ and His death on the cross and His resurrection from the dead. Hope for a lost and dying world. These guys, all they have to say, and and their hope, we're going to die. They find themselves desperate sinners. And and I put up there a passage of Scripture. I I don't necessarily know that we need to look at, but we need to kind of remember Esther and her story. As her family, her the Jewish people are all on the line. And the, store, the, the line there, if I perish, I perish. But let's see if, if God has something different. If with God there is hope. And in the story of these lepers in 2 Kings chapter 7, in the story of Esther, in the book of Romans, sin, its end result, is death. But Christ offers hope, offers new life, offers victory. And we find that to be very, very, very important. And and I just, as I picture these guys sitting around, if we go to the city, we die. If we stay here, we die. No matter what we do, it, it doesn't look uh, very good for us. And I think about people in the world we hear about today that suicide rate is to all-time high. We find that people um, get depressed and turn to drugs for the answer. They try to find their hope and their help from things like pornography, adultery, from riches, thinking that all of these things will buy them some short happiness before the end comes. They all lead to the same place. Death. Without Christ, separation from God for all of eternity. And these men said, hey, what do we have to lose? And and sinner, if you're here, if you're sitting here, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and you say, hey, the drugs aren't working. The pornography isn't working. The adultery isn't working. The alcohol isn't working. The money is not satisfied. The, The marriage is falling apart. The kids aren't listening. The home might be lost. What have I got to lose? Let me tell you something different. Look at these stories. If you come to Christ, it's not about what do you have to lose. You have all of eternity. You have the riches of God's grace to gain. Not nothing to lose by coming to Christ. Run to Him. And these guys went out. He said, we need life. They were willing to risk it all. They jumped into action. They went out and and they went running to the enemy. Well, let's go throw ourselves to them. Their discovery, that's something I wrote down here, their discovery was not with their heads, it was with their feet. 
they went running out and, and, and they found the truth to be that the enemy was gone. They didn't understand. They didn't know what was going to be in front of them. And what we find out is that when God's involved and the enemy is surrounded, when he shows up, the enemy runs away. In Proverbs chapter 28 in verse 1, Proverbs chapter 28 in verse 1, we read some words that can give comfort. So as the enemy is trying to destroy us, whether that enemy be sin or the devil, temptation, trials. When God shows up and He gets involved, we can stand up to those things that were meant to destroy. And in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 1, it says, The wicked flee when no one pursues him. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. Don't you love that verse? The wicked flee when no one pursues him. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. When I think about the wicked of this world, and I begin to think about what sin does to your conscience, and what happens, it's no wonder that they run. They've got everything to be scared of. But for the Christian, for the believer in Christ, he knows that his sins have been taken care of, that Jesus Christ has paid it all. And he can stand on that truth, that foundation, that God has taken care of it, that he has paid it, that he has found the victory. And these guys find that the enemy is gone. It's the Lord who fights for you. The Lord wins the victory. Let's turn over our Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 20. Deuteronomy chapter 20. I love reading through the books of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. When you so often read about these, the conquest of Israel. And you understand that, that kind of maybe the picture you get as a child is that the armies of Moses and Joshua were these great armies that went in to win the battle and and do these awesome things. But then when you begin to read it, you understand that God was behind it. There are times that God sent the enemies fleeing and running because he sent bees. Had nothing, had very little to do with the soldiers that did it. The bees were chasing them away. It was God who gave them the strength. It was God who made the sun stand still. It was God, it was God, it was God. And by the time you get to the end of the book of Joshua, we know that the victory that was won in the land that was earned, it was all the credit could be given to the Lord. In Deuteronomy chapter 20 and verse 4, it says, For the Lord your God is He who goes with you to fight for you against the enemies, to save you. And so if you're here today, and maybe I'm kind of touched a nerve, that you, you've tried what the world has to offer, you've tried what sin has to offer, You've looked at and you've tried adultery and it's not working. You've tried to find wealth and you found it to be lacking. You've tried alcohol, drugs, uh, sin, lying, stealing, cheating, and these things found lacking. 
and you feel that you are trapped, that there's no way out, and all around all you see is ruin and destruction, let me tell you, if you want victory over sin in the battles, let God fight your battles. Let Him be the one to give you victory over those things. If you try to come into this battle and you think that you're going to do it in your own strength, you will lose. If you try to get victory over these things that are destroying your life, your family, and try to do it on your own, you're going to lose. You're going to end up just like the people that are in Samaria who are wishing and, and hoping that maybe some army will come and win the day. But if you like the like Elisha, if your source and your trust is in a God, He'll just make the enemy run before you and you will find victory at the cross because our God is mighty to save. When these guys got into the camp, they found bountiful blessings. God provided victory. I wrote down some of the things, and I'm going to have these on the board in just a minute, that God provided for them. They ate food. They drank. They had new clothes. They had gold. They had silver. All these things that God had provided for them when they're looking around, and what they have in Samaria is people that are eating bird droppings. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. They have people that are fighting and arguing against each other. That's what they got to look behind them. And in front of them, they got an enemy that wants to destroy them. But when God fought the battle, the enemy scattered and God provided. Not only did the, did the enemy run in terror, God blessed them beyond what they could ever imagine. And I put that verse up there in the book of Nehemiah. And I'd like us to look at that verse this morning. Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse 15. Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse 15. It says, You gave them bread from heaven for their hunger and brought them water out of the rock for their, their thirst and told them, to go in to possess the land which you had sworn to give to them. God not only saves us from the enemy and delivers us from the death that is the result of sin, God also pours out the riches of His grace. I had so many places in Scripture that I could go, that I could look at, the, the, the things that God provides for us. I could go to John chapter 4 with the woman at the well. I could go to Revelation chapter, Revelation chapter 19. I could go to Galatians chapter 2. I could go to so many places to find the great things that God wants to pour out and to give us through His grace. But I thought a fitting passage of Scripture that could fit what these guys were going through is Revelation chapter 7. So I'd like us to take a look at Revelation chapter 7 this morning. Revelation chapter 7. And as we look at Revelation chapter 7, I'd like to set the background. Revelation chapter 7 is a scene in heaven. A scene in which martyrs 
have come out of the great tribulation and are being awarded for their service to the king. They find salvation. And I know that we are not in the midst of the great tribulation. And we are not going to have our heads removed from our body tomorrow for believing in Jesus Christ like these people face. But as I think about the riches of the grace, we have heaven waiting for us. We have grace poured out on us in this life. God is going to take those who are hungry and He's going to be the bread of life. He's going to take those who are thirsty and He's going to be living water. He's going to provide those who feel like what they're wearing around is filthy rags and He's going to give them new clothes. He's going to pour out the riches of His grace in our hearts and in our lives. And heaven is waiting for us that know Him as their personal Savior. And so as we read Revelation chapter 7, we're going to remember the context. But we're going to see the principle of grace and salvation for those who know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And we are going to remember that heaven is waiting for us. And while sin, its end result is death, heaven is what God has in store for us. In Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9, it says, After I looked, after these things, I looked, and behold, the great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne, and the elders and the four living creatures fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and honor, thanksgiving and wisdom and power and might. Be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed, arrayed in white robes? And where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who came out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger any more nor thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. I ask you today, are you ready? Are you prepared to be one of these life-changing, unshackled stories where God takes someone who is lost with no hope, look behind you and you see sin and death. You look in front of you and you see the enemy ready to destroy you and you see sin and death. 
and you have no place else to go, and you're ready to put faith in action and come to God and find Him to be a God who takes the hungry and is the bread of life. Who find a God who finds the thirsty and is living water. To take those who are stained and filthy and their rags are worn and to give them new clothes. To provide you with the riches of His grace. That's what you want today. You're tired of being a hungry leper. A sinner. Lost and broken. And you're ready to come to Christ. They ate the bread of life. They drank the living water. They got new clothes. And they got the riches of God's grace. You want to know what? The worst, I began talking about this new life of this sleigh. I got to use it a couple of times, and I was just so amazed at the transformation. I want to be so amazed at the transformation that God can make in your life. But there's one last thing about the example and in this story that's going to set up next week. Those guys, they took it and they hid it. God has blessed us. We need to praise Him and we need to share that news with everyone else. Guys, today, if you're one of those who are on the outside and you need a Savior, you need God, you need the abundant riches of His grace. He is mighty to save. He is all-sufficient. He has paid it all. The victory can be won in your life today. Let's pray. Dearly Father, Lord, I pray for that one person who's here, who needs this message, who needs salvation that can only be found in Jesus Christ. The enemy is beating at their doorstep, they feel surrounded. And God, I pray for the salvation of a lost soul today. I pray that they might find you to be faithful. That they might put action in their, in their feet. And today, come forward and accept you as their personal Savior. In your Son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen.